0: step right up and gather around. Tall folks, kindly at the back, please. I am Professor Splatter, and I'm the curator of this here spookatorium. Through these doors are wonders and horrors, maybe even a laugh or two. From the dark corners on every street today, all back through recorded time, we'll hear music and tales of the unknown, mysterious, and perhaps even diabolical. That's right, folks. There are strange things beyond threshold, but if you weren't curious, you wouldn't be here. So, will you take a chance and come on in, or will you saddle up to the concession stand and always wonder what you may have missed? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Professor Gruntsplatter's Spookatorium. There will be no refunds once you enter. Thank you for your attention, and the brave ones...
1: o desideri così a capriccio. Non è volontà di Dio che tu chieda cose che sono in contrasto con i tuoi doveri. Non è volontà di Dio che tu chieda cose contro il senso, Non è volontà di Dio che tu chieda soddisfazioni a capriccio o desideri o desideri così a capriccio, non è volontà di Dio che tu chieda cose che sono in contrasto con i tuoi doveri. Non è volontà di Dio che tu chieda cose contro il buon senso. Non è volontà di Dio che tu chieda soddisfazioni a capriccio, o desideri, o desideri così a capriccio, Não è было удаги de что que te чем, я исполнял так, чтобы останавливаться И уда vie на DE au que te пришел не о каприче o для Não не наслаждения Чтобы не радоваться об critics, чтобы у united a Но Non è volontà di Dio che tu chieda cose che sono in contrasto con i tuoi desideri. Non è volontà di Dio che tu chieda cose contro il ben senso. Non è volontà di Dio che tu chieda soddisfazioni a capricci o desideri o così a capricci. Non è volontà di Dio che tu chieda cose che sono in contrasto con i tuoi doveri. Non è volontà di Dio che tu chieda cose contro il buon senso. Non è volontà di Dio che tu chieda soddisfazioni a capriccio o o desideri così a capriccio.
2: i sure. you.
0: Greetings, once again, it is episode 20 of Professor Gruntsplatter's Spookatorium. I am Professor Gruntsplatter, this is my Spookatorium. Uh, opening the show today was A Precious Thing from Big Black, following that was Caso Dio with Volanta Mutilata, and the last track you heard there was Doubting Thomas, uh, and incidentally the samples in that song are from one Mr. Joseph Campbell. Um, Let's see, on the site, since the last show, uh, the only thing really up there is uh, a look at a phenomenon that I didn't know was a phenomenon until I looked it up, um, and that is in regards to the number 1111, or 1111. Apparently, there's uh, a lot of people who have a knack for looking at their clock when it's 1111. There are several theories on what that means, none of them seem to really coordinate with one another, which makes me think that it's a lot of people looking at a coincidence and trying to assign meaning to it, uh, since I couldn't find any sort of common ground. But uh, you know, there are organizations that have taken that as well and used it, uh, you know, one in particular uses it as a communal minute of prayer to focus positive energies and those sorts of things um, out into the world. And the idea that if everybody does it at the same minute, it can affect change. Um, there are people who equate it with the Bible, um, the Mayan calendar that ends in 2012, which we talked about before. Uh, the last moment on that calendar is 11:11. The time 11:11 is when it ceases on uh, December 21st, 2012, and there's supposed to be a, a you know some sort of cataclysmic change that that the calendar stops because of and so those are the different theories there's a little bit of information there there's some videos about the different points of view that i just mentioned and uh so if you happen to look at the clock and it's 11:11 all the time then you may want to take a look at that uh if not it's still sort of interesting There seems to have been a rise in reports regarding demonic possession in the news lately. Uh, Perhaps it's simply the media choosing to spotlight something that is always there. Or perhaps the public consciousness is again shifting to arcane boogeymen in a time where fear and religious thinking have put their boot firmly in the public's chest. On January 9th in Hayden, Idaho, uh, a man takes a circular saw, cuts off his own hand, and then places the hand in his microwave he applies a tourniquet himself to prevent from bleeding out and when the police arrive they describe the hand as somewhat cooked uh... The, his reason for doing this is that he was ridding his body of the mark of the beast in order to avoid god's wrath uh... police indicate that in their reports there were no obvious marks or tattoos on the, the hand um, there are two pieces of scripture that indicate that what this man did is a good idea uh, Revelations 14:9 and 10. Quote, If anyone worships the beast and his image and receives a mark on the forehead or hand, he too will drink the wine of God's fury. Matthew 5:30. Quote, And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than it is for your whole body to go into hell. Uh, the report from Idaho doesn't indicate which hand the guy removed but that is certainly m- more explicit than anything the specter of Marilyn Manson and others have suggested that that one do um, and that's that's straight from the uh, from the Bible uh, January 11th Washington DC uh, US Marshals serve an eviction notice on a home in one of the poorest corners of, of the city upon entering they find religious writings scrawled on the walls and the bodies of four children in the upstairs bedroom. The kids, ages 5, 6, 11, and 17, had been up there dead for up to four months. Their mother, still living in the home, claims they were possessed by demons and had died in their sleep. The autopsy results, however, indicate one of them was stabbed in the neck three times, two of them were strangled, and the youngest, the five-year-old, was strangled and suffered blunt force trauma to the back of the head. Uh, there was a similar story in Arizona um, a few months ago that I had saved, and when I went to write this up, the article was gone. Basically, a man killed a child in an exorcism right because he believed the boy to be possessed. Um, and in these situations, the two that I mentioned that in, in particular, the police and the media are quick to say that these people are mentally ill and minimize the religious elements of the case. And the one involving the uh, the four kids... The whole story was about child protective services and and they didn't really focus on on the religious part of the story at all. However, when Jesus shows up in a potato, as he did recently in Florida, as you may have heard, um, in his world tour of side dishes and shrubbery, and people flock to see it, it's questions of whether or not it's a miracle rather than questions of whether or not the person is insane that are raised. If it gives hope, then it is a religion, and if it's grim and destructive, then the people involved are crazy. Um, that's what they tell us. Uh, what of the church's position on this? Uh, Gazeta Wyborcza, a newspaper out of Poland, I'm sure I said that wrong, reports on December 20th, 2007, that uh, the Oasis of Mary, Queen of Light, is a new facility being built in the village of Pakzernin in northwest Poland. Its purpose is to, quote, serve people with problems connected with possession of dark powers, unquote. The idea is that of Reverend Trojanowski, who claims to have been an exorcist for four years, he claims that he helps approximately 20 people a week rid themselves of spirits that possess them in both Poland and in Germany. And it's essentially a possession treatment center purported to utilize both Catholic and secular exorcists. Uh, December 29th, 2007, the Daily Mail in the UK reports on a story that appeared in the online Catholic news service, Petrus, that, quote, the Pope has ordered his bishops to set up exorcism squads to tackle the rise of Satanism. Each bishop has been told to have in his diocese a number of priests trained to fight demonic possession, according to Father Amorth, who is described as the in the article as the Vatican's exorcist in chief. Father Scarafoni. uh, which phonetically looks like scare a phony or scar a phony, uh, who lectures in the Vatican's exorcism course, believes that interest in Satanism and the occult has grown as people have lost their faith within the church. The Vatican is said to be particularly concerned about young people being exposed to the influences of Satan through rock music and the say it with me internet. Additionally, There has been discussion regarding reinstating the prayer of St. Michael into the Mass, which was removed from the service many years ago. Uh, The prayer goes as such. St. Michael, the archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the divine power of God, cast into hell, Satan and all his evil spirits who roam throughout the world seeking the ruin of souls. Uh, the Vatican spokesperson uh, denies the Petrus report and says that there are no plans to increase their focus on exorcisms or return the prayer of St. Michael into its services. But it was a, a Catholic news service that reported that. So, I mean, what does all of this mean when people are afraid, when people are. Uncertain, they look for places to have faith, they look for things to blame that are not there in the flesh to blame. Um, you know, this whole thing makes me think we may be seeing the beginnings of another satanic panic that we had in the 80s. Why might people be losing faith in the church, the Catholic Church? You know, they've certainly had their share of, of unpleasantness. That's been documented in the last few years, none of which I would say is particularly godly on their part. And so, you know, this may be a little uh, head fake to get people thinking about something else. But it's interesting, and I'm going to kind of keep an eye and see if these sorts of stories continue to appear, because you didn't see it for a long time, and now, you know, this is these four or five stories that I just mentioned all were reported in the last month from different parts of the world. Um, It'll be interesting to see how this shakes out.
3: his holy name, praise his blessed spirit, praise his everlasting love, Jesus Christ our Lord. Listen to me now, listen to me. The prince of darkness is upon the land. Now in the Bible, his name is Beelzebub, Lord of the Flies. Right now on earth today, his name is Bolshevist, socialist, communist, union man, lord of untruth, sower of the evil seed, enemy of all that is good and pure, and this creature walks among us. What are we going to do about it? <laughs>
4: You
0: Echo and the Bunny Men with The Killing Moon. Before that, Danonicus with Tantalizing the Labyrinth. Uh, Journeyman uh, from Funeral Diner. Before that, and opening the setup was Hope Like a Candle from Black House. To get in touch with the show, the email address is professor at spookatorium.org. The website address is www.spookatorium.org. Uh, there's usually additional news stories there you can leave comments on those there's links to the Flickr group links to the forum uh if you hear your song on the show and you don't want me to be playing it just drop me a line and i will remove it many thanks once again to those of you who listen i'm surprised we're at episode 20 already and as always if you've got any cool or creepy stories that you would like to share uh please send them along gather round and hear treatments and tales of the medicine wagon and the sprucatoriums rolling apothecary. It does a body good. Born in 1885, John Romulus Brinkley, later to be known as John Goat Gland Brinkley, failed out of proper medical school but ultimately received a dubious doctorate from the Eclectic Medical University of Kansas City. It was an institution that focused on homeopathy and herbalism. This degree allowed him to get a medical license in Arkansas, which he was then able to use to open a practice in Milford, Kansas. How his legacy dawned on him seems to be a point of speculation. I've seen one story that suggests it was the result of a casual conversation with a patient, claiming they used to be frisky as a goat, and another that the idea dawned on him while working in a slaughterhouse however the revelation came to pass Brinkley determined that transplanting a goat testicle into the scrotum would cure impotence primarily but additionally he claimed it would help things as varied as gray hair skin diseases and coronary problems beginning in 1918 he began operations where he would graft the gland near the spermatic cord and then follow that with an injection of mercurochrome into the cut ends of the vast deference. This would color the urine of the patient in the coming days which he would then report to them was a sign that the operation was taking hold. He began to advertise through newspapers and direct mail using the slogan, Just let me get your goat and you'll be a ram what am for every lamb. He captured headlines and was reportedly going through some 50 goats a week. This is occurring during the Great Depression of the 1920s. Um, and each person he performed this operation on was paying 750 to $1,500 for the service, which at the time was the price of a small house. Uh, by 1923, he'd made enough money to launch KFKB radio. It was a 1,000-watt radio station that that he ran that mixed jazz with his message of goat gland virility. And it said on a good night the station could be heard Halfway across the Atlantic. The mail coming into the show was so voluminous that Brinkley paid to have a new post office constructed in Milford. Uh, He responded to medical questions from listeners and would suggest treatments and offer prescriptions that you could only get through pharmacies that were affiliated with this show and from whom he would receive payments from when people claimed those prescriptions, uh, His wealth and notoriety carried him abroad, where he performed the operations, and even received an honorary diploma from the Royal University of Pavia in Italy. Um, And with that, he was able to join the British Medical Association, which allowed him to practice anywhere within the British Empire. Uh, His approach to medicine and the commercial nature of his activities had earned him some enemies among the American Medical Association who began an investigation and were able to pressure competing radio stations to run unfavorable stories about him. In 1930 his medical license in Kansas was revoked after the AMA claimed 43 people had died from his treatments and shortly after that the FCC revoked his radio license as well. His reaction to this though was to run for the governor of Kansas so that he could install all of his own people into the different associations and get his radio station back and get his medical license back. And as a write-in candidate, he received 29% of the vote, but ultimately lost. He tried again to run for governor two years later and captured 30% of the vote, but lost again. So after the two defeats, he moved his practice to the Texas border town of Del Rio and got a radio license in Mexico and launched a radio station called XER that was situated in Mexico but was able to broadcast into the United States. There he continued his practice over the airwaves and performed countless more surgeries. Uh, In the years between 1931 and 1938, after he'd left Kansas, he was reported to have accumulated upwards of 12 million dollars from his activities. At one stage, he chose to sue Dr. Morris Fishbein Who had led the AMA's assault against him because Fishbein had had basically branded him as a quack and had cost him you know his his license and his radio station in Kansas the case went before a judge and Brinkley lost with the court agreeing that he was in fact a quack and hence had not been defamed by any of Fishbein's claims at the end of his life he was under investigation by the IRS and the Postal Service for mail fraud Uh, He was sued many times over for malpractice, and ultimately he died of heart failure in 1942, uh, bankrupt and penniless. That set started off with Impaled Nazarene with Goat Seeds of Doom. Following that was 16 Volt with Hand Over End, and the last track you heard was Hagala's Rune Dance with Frigga's Web. Upon leaving the Spookatorium today, Point yourself back towards the mundane. Take a moment to stop and drink in one of these roadside attractions. George Daner had made a fortune as a gold miner in Alaska, a fortune that he lost in the Wall Street crash of 1929. With four dollars in his pocket, He went to Vineland, New Jersey on the advice of an angel. The angel felt George had the soul of a go-getter and provided him with a set of basic plans for what would become the Palace of Depression, or alternately, the strangest house in the world. With his four dollars, Danner was able to purchase four acres of swampland that doubled as an auto graveyard, and he set himself to work. He lived off frogs and squirrels and the like over the three years of construction, piling mud and garbage and old auto parts until they took the shape of an 18-spired, pastel-colored castle. Construction was completed Christmas Day of 1932, and while at first glance the name might suggest otherwise, it wasn't a monument to depression, but his unique symbol that the Great Depression could be defeated with ingenuity and hard work. He offered tours to all comers for a quarter. And the highlights of the tour included an underground tunnel he called the Jersey Devil's Den, and the Knockout Room, which was a room he said he could remove all of your bad memories by dropping a boulder or a bowling ball on your head. Uh, It's believed nobody ever took him up on that one. He was a grandiose man with an oversized mustache that would reportedly do anything for publicity. He was able to draw crowds without any signage or anything of that type. Uh, He made it onto Ripley's Believe It or Not, in 1938, he offered to let the Smithsonian Institute examine his brain while he was still alive. And in the early 30s, he managed to get his palace on gas station attraction maps and a series of postcards. He turned up on cinema newsreels and so on, all without any help of a PR company or anything, simply by being, uh, being himself. Uh, in 1957, his lust for publicity got the better of him. There was a headline-grabbing kidnapping case that had captured the nation's attention. Daner claimed that the kidnappers had visited his palace, and the FBI swept in to investigate his claims. They determined that he'd lied about it, and he ended up going to jail for a year for providing false information. While he was incarcerated, there was no one to look after the palace, and it suffered uh, many acts of vandalism, there was a mysterious fire, and souvenir hunters would continue to go through the, the site because there was no one there and they would loot it and take things of interest. Um, he was allegedly over a hundred years old when he got out of jail and in his final days he was known to wear lipstick and rouge and in the end he died penniless in 1964. He was buried in a pauper's grave in Oak Hill Cemetery and the city paid for his headstone. In 1969 the site was bulldozed as nature began to reclaim it and all that remains is the ticket booth. Uh, There was a movement to rebuild, there is a movement to rebuild the Palace of Depression and the city has agreed to donate the land back to the cause if if the group is able to raise the money to do it. Uh, Apparently even a Home Depot is involved in helping out with that. I'll end with the words of George Daner himself. The Palace of Depression stands as proof that education by thought can lift all the depressed peoples out of any depression, calamity, or catastrophe if mankind would use it. The proof stands before you, my friends. Seeing is believing. Going to do it for this one. Uh, the last track you heard was from Divinus, Ball and Runa. Uh, that was track 11 from their record. Pine Tree State Mind Control before that with Wascaro, and opening that section up was Black Flag with Modern Man. Uh, playing underneath the Yammering today was Necrophorus with a track called Partial Melt, and also Hollow Earth uh, with a track called Scrawled in Blood. Um, That is going to do it. Thanks for listening, as always. If you want to get in touch, the email address is professor at spookatorium.org. Check out the website at www.spookatorium.org. And until next time, this is Neurosis with Flight.